Hi, I'm Melissa Carroll. And I'm Val Spees. And this is the Lotus Pondcast. So here I am. I'm looking in the mirror this morning and um, I can either see my entire life right there on my face and uh, and be a little reminiscent about that or not so happy with what I see or I can be totally present with myself just gazing into my own eyes my dearest friend and that sweet familiarity of my face and be totally present with here mm. and here I am <laughs> once again facing a situation where I need to be honest with a friend, I need to speak up, and feeling the discomfort around that, like a coat that's really too tight and doesn't fit well. And so my natural inclination is to avoid, to avoid and procrastinate and not speak up and have the open, direct, honest communication with my friend. Ah, so in other words, you'd rather be anywhere but in the present moment. Exactly. Is that right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So why is that so darn hard to just be there, you know, to drop away um, all the history of the past? Of course, you'll never drop away all the history of the past, but I to not let it interfere with the present moment in allowing yourself to, I guess, is a little... Um, too much maybe to say to rejoice in the present moment but really to move into that space you can't be carrying a lot of baggage you're absolutely right yeah and i don't think it's too much to say rejoice in the yeah. present moment because i know from experience thanks to meditation thanks mm -hmm. to my yoga practice that the present moment really is this beautiful serene expansive state where the stress and the stories because also my my stress is from my stories my mental thought patterns mm -hmm. around my situation all that begins to soften and dissolve but when i just get caught up thinking about having this mildly uncomfortable conversation with a friend I'm bringing up not only the past, but also the future, right? Worry What's, about the future, right? Yes, I'm imagining the discomfort that I believe mm -hmm. will feel. Like, I'm already predicting exactly what's going to happen, and, and this person will be angry with me. And so in order to avoid that, I go into my pattern, I, which is to get out of the present, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, I think we all have patterns that we lean into when things get slightly uncomfortable and we all see this with social media and like our addiction to our phones i know that's one thing for me right when, oh absolutely yeah when i don't want to face <laughs> something yeah. and when even when we're just standing in line at the grocery store or even waiting at a stoplight in our cars to not be present with the mild boredom of just standing right. or just sitting in a car we reach for our phone. It seems that uh, it takes something pretty spectacular to get our attention to the, the level of not reminiscing about the past or worrying about the future, but being right there in the experience. 
And sometimes that comes with uh, new relationships where you're just so totally immersed in the experience. Even with the practice of yoga, uh, when you first come into the class and you're, you're feeling something totally new in your body and you're so present. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward about six months and you're taking a yoga class and it's just become a little routine. And uh, you're now not giving it your full attention. You're not fully present. And I think that affects uh, the benefits that you receive. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And I see that in my own practice. I see that in my students who, mm -hmm. you know, they've been coming to class for a long time. They know that by the, the time we get into tabletop at the beginning of class and we're going to be moving into cow and cat, they're already like just in it mm -hmm. without really being in it. They're just going through the motions, as we say, and exactly not being present for themselves, not perhaps feeling the texture of their mat beneath their palms, not consciously engaging in a movement that has become so familiar for them that it no longer holds that specialness. They're not really in right. that, that new state of excitement and enthusiasm, which is actually really where I believe the yoga practice needs to come in and we need to be mindful of that state when it arises. Right, and it's inviting us to just be okay with the quietness of the movement, uh, with that singular experience. And what we tend to do is we um, bring uh, past experiences into the present. So for example, uh, if you I wasn't great at sports, if you can imagine. <laughs> I was like the tiniest girl in the, on, on any team that uh, would be happening, and no one wanted me on their team. So I'm talking about the days where there were gym, you know, gym classes. Oh, and, yeah. I was uh, picked last for kickball. Oh, yeah. I'm just, still carrying that somewhere in my tissue, my muscle tissue. Oh, I, I got it. I've got it, too. And uh, so I can carry those uh, feelings into a simple yoga posture where I can convince myself that I'm not really qualified to do this posture in the way I've seen others do it. And it's that thought process, that bringing, can you imagine bringing feelings from when you were seven years old or something into your practice today as an adult? But we actually do. And it can prohibit us from having the full experience of the posture. It can also cause tension, which definitely will prohibit us from experience a good level of the posture. Absolutely, yes. And I think that process is both unconscious and conscious, right? On the unconscious level, those past feelings of inadequacy and worry and shame live in our muscles. They live in our connective tissue. And that shows up as this vague sense of fear this vague sense of hesitation, and we can't always pinpoint why we feel that way, but it's if you trace the biography back, it's threaded into our biology too. Mm -hmm. And that's why the yoga mat is this beautiful laboratory to get to unwind and unravel all those, not just with the physical knots within us, but all those energetic and mental knots that we're carrying from so long ago that we're not even consciously aware of. Right, and it alters. 
It alters our present experiences with others. Uh, you can be having a conversation with someone and they're saying one thing, but by the time it translates into your mind and you've added on all these past experiences, uh, fears, worries about the future, everything but that comment that's being said right then, um, then it moves to uh, you know, uh, an experience that doesn't hold the, the purity and the clarity that you would like. 100%. Is that too vague, what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? I completely understand what you're saying, and I think uh -huh. it makes perfect sense because we have likely all been in conversations where someone said something and it got misinterpreted. Right. Because we're always in our own lens, our own framework, and when are we really being present with someone else to truly listen to what they're saying? Well, nothing is inviting us to be present with others. You know, like you were saying about the cell phones and yeah. you're doing so many things at once that um, we're not even being invited to do that. And I think that's what's so spectacular about the practice of yoga is that it's saying to us, it's saying, stop. Mm. Just be here in your body and, um, and see what that's like. Right. We don't even know what's that like. You know? We don't. We don't. And because we are so compelled to avoid, to not want to be with the mild boredom of just standing in line or the uh, even the mild boredom of just being, let's say, in a yoga pose you've been in 8,000 times before and thinking ahead to the next pose or uh -huh. whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> where are we going from here? Where are we going That's from here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it, when we can actually be with those uncomfortable sensations, that's where true transformation occurs. Right. It's not in leaning back into our patterns, it's in the glorious friction yeah. that and occurs. experiencing them in a new way. Yes. So even though you may be uh, in an event that is similar to one before, uh, this being present for this event right now gives you that whole new experience. And I think that's why we enjoy meeting new people, getting into new relationships, because it takes your full attention, mm -hmm. you know, and you really bathe in that, and that feels so good. Well, what's feeling so good is that you're finally giving someone or something your full attention. Yes. Because that is, that what we, that's what we find in art, right? When you're painting or you're involved in something that you absolutely love. But we narrow things down to like, oh, well, if I'm painting, then I can be happy. But over, over here, that's a different experience, you know? Uh, instead of letting that blend into all parts of our lives. Yes. When, so what I hear you saying is absorption. When you can be fully absorbed right. in what you are doing in this moment, whether it is painting or singing. This is why it's often said, right, that going to concerts and mm -hmm. seeing live music is such actually a very profound healing experience for people because when you're listening to a song, you're, you're just in it. 
you don't want the song to end, but so many of us are in a rush to get to the next thing, right. to accomplish something, you know, to move ahead, to always be leaning into the future. But when you're painting or when you're in nature or when you're listening to your favorite band on stage, you're just right there and you don't want it to end. You're okay with just being with it as it is. And that's really a beautiful template for us to then take that to washing the dishes or walking the dog or right. doing the other thing. Which sounds a little idealistic, but <laughs> actually, um, maybe not 100%. Maybe you're not going to 100% be loving just the washing of the dishes and everything. But maybe you can be a little more attentive to the sensations of the water on your hands and uh, that you are actually taking care of your home and um, that it is a nurturing experience, right? Yeah. So, but these things are hard. This it's, is not easy to, it's easy to say, but is it easy really to keep bringing yourself back to being present? It's not easy. And that's why I think that um, meditation is such an important uh, factor to bring into our lives because it teaches us just that. It teaches us how to be fully present, how to allow thoughts to arise, but also to let them pass without, to pass without clinging to them, without being attached, without bringing forth things from history into this moment. And um, once you start to do that in meditation, I think it becomes easier to do it in other areas of your life. Yes, that's how it happened for me. Um, when I started my meditation practice, it opened up, like opening up a doorway to a field that I never knew existed before. Like, wow, I can find peace that is not dependent on necessarily good things happening or good news coming my way. I could mm -hmm. just be content in the present moment. Like what a gift. But it was always in a container of like going to a meditation class, right? And having the teacher guide me through this lovely body relaxation. Or then when I would be um, on a retreat and outside, and I remember one time specifically, I was meditating and there was like a butterfly that mm -hmm. just flew across my vision. And I had the thought like, well, yeah, it's real easy to be at one with the universe here. Right. But how about when someone just insulted me? Or how about when even I'm stuck in traffic, you know, and I'm late to an appointment? Uh -huh. What about then? Um, that's where I, I actually got stuck for a really, really long time. Yeah, but that's a lifeline, actually. <laughs> when you think of if you're stuck in traffic, you're in an instance where uh, you're feeling very uptight is drawing on that knowledge of knowing that, well, you know, let's just move to right here. Let's move to the breath and um, find calmness in the body and step away from all that's generating the anxiety. However, what we do instead is we keep going over and over the anxiety again and again in our heads, right? And this anxiety is stemming from things in the past and worries for the future. So then how do we step out of that and into here I am? I'm breathing mm -hmm. in and out. 
I'm really okay, right? So how do we step into that? Exactly, that's beautiful. I think, honestly, the simplicity of the breath, which is always with us, is our greatest teacher and companion in that practice. Um, and what I have discovered over the last few months of this new engagement with uncomfortable states of being is that, like you said, we make things so much worse most of the time in our minds. It's, the, it's not the thing. It's the thoughts around the thing. In, and that's what's causing us so much suffering. Um, there's a really popular phrase that's uh, been buzzing around the online wellness sphere, and it's lovely and true. It's, you've got to feel it to heal it. Mm. We don't transform and transcend these negative states of being by ignoring them, by reaching for our phone or reaching for another coffee or whatever it is that we do. Um, it's by actually hunkering down. That's the word that I use for myself lately. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, worry has cropped up again uh, or fear, right? Let's hunker down into this fear. The moment I actually do that, the moment I invite the sensation, the quality of that state in, it starts to lose its power. It's like its claws begin to retract mm, a little bit. It's been fascinating. I've actually been able mm -hmm. to do that over the years with my anxiety. And it's not a cure-all. By no means am I saying that this will, you know, this practice. Do this is, and you will be healed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it hasn't worked like that for me. And I can only really speak to my personal experience. But um, for having anxiety, it's been a situation where when I'm able to just moment by moment, a couple of breaths, remember like, okay, I'm having this state of anxiety. Let's get into the feeling of it instead of the thought pattern surrounding it and swirling around it. The sensation in my physical body is something that I can handle. Right. It's like, what is the actual event? What is happening in this present right. moment? What is this event? Um, and yeah. and um, Buddhist teachings, they talk about add-ons where you know here's the event but here's all you've added on to it and uh, turned it into something quite different uh, that doesn't even necessarily at the time relate and I know my most of my students have heard the story of um, being in the corporate world as I was and having hives all over my body from stress and wearing long sleeve shirts and to hide you know, the hives, hives, right? Yeah, to hide the hives. Um, so uh, that was a great way to deal with it, right? I had so <laughs> much stress that I would just hide that I had all that stress. And um, so that was very uncomfortable. Well, fast forward years later, and I'm running a yoga studio, and uh, we are out here on four and a half acres, so there's a lot of nature around. I say that, you'll know why in a minute. Um, so I have some bumps on my hand, and they're kind of like welts. And immediately my mind uh, goes to the add-ons. So these two little welts on my hand, now I'm looking at and remembering the hives of the past. And then I'm thinking about zooming forward to the future that I've got to teach a yoga class. And oh my gosh, I can't teach a yoga class with long sleeves and a high neck shirt, I'll burn up, <laughs> right? 
Um, so I've gone right away from two little bumps on my hand to past um, the stress and worrying about what I'll do in the future. And the reality is, the real event here are two little bug bites on my hand that had nothing to do with anything else and were gone within a few days. So that's what we talk about with add-ons. So if you can acknowledge the add-ons and then step away from, from them and allow yourself just to be with what is exactly here, what am I feeling, then you find it's not as huge as you may have thought. That is the perfect metaphor for this experience. That is so I'm glad common. that my hives come in handy. Yes, they yes. do. Your hives are our teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I've never had that particular experience, but I can completely relate yeah. to that present moment situation, but the past just loves to come rushing through the yeah. door and say, oh, yes, I know exactly what this is. Let me tell you. Right. <laughs> right. And um, so we going back to saying how meditation helps with this, uh, we were just doing our meditation training uh, weekend this past weekend, and we showed the video of Carolyn Mace uh, doing, no, excuse me, not Carolyn Mace. That was Jill Bolte-Taylor. Um, yeah, <laughs> and she was talking about the stroke of insight, her book that she wrote. And in this um, video, she actually brings a brain out on the stage and shows how the, the brain is divided into the two sides, the left and right hemisphere. And how in the right hemisphere of the brain, you have the present moment. And you have, uh, it's more expansive, thinking, uh, you have inspiration, uh, lots of very spacious mm -hmm. experiences. And in the left hemisphere of the brain, it's more controlled, numbers, figures, plans. And uh, in the left hemisphere, you have the past and the future and all the planning that goes on. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when you go into meditation, you're going into the right hemisphere of the brain. And there you find that inspiration, that ease, stepping away from the left hemisphere with the confines of all the planning and controlling. Stepping to the right of the left hemisphere, as she says in the video, is where we will find more peace, more acceptance, and um, We'll expand. Right. You know, we'll expand from there. More connection. Yeah. Less separation. Right. Definitely uh, the separation, the I, me, and mine, comes from the left hemisphere. So that meditation stuff is kind of good. Uh, <laughs> you know, how else would we move into that space? I don't know. Other than quieting the mind. It also um, expands the frontal cortex of the mind too, which is, represents positivity and contentment. So I love these little science tidbits because they give you an anchor, you know? Yes. We can talk esoterically about a lot of things and then in the back of our minds we think, oh, is that really right? Um, <laughs> but then you listen to a brain scientist 
as uh, Joe Bolte Taylor, and and you see, oh, yeah, I get that. Right. It's so fascinating, especially with meditation, how much modern scientific research is confirming what the ancient yogis and sages have known for thousands of years. And it's yeah. beautiful for us as modern practitioners, modern seekers on this winding path to have both. We get this glorious benefit of both the modern science and the confirmation, as well as this wealth of knowledge that is available to, to us today. Mm -hmm. It's really, really beautiful that we get this. Yeah, so many great teachers out there. And, so many. You know, I mentioned Carolyn Mason yes. by accident earlier because she was on my mind and uh, her teachings about um, how all decisions are based on faith or fear and how we can get so stuck from past experiences that um, prevent us from really experiencing the here and the now. That's it. Now? That's it. And that's the paradox of all of this that we're discussing. It sounds so simple, right? Just be present. Be right, right. where you are in this moment. Take a, take a look around, whether you're driving, whether you're at the gym, wherever you are listening to this, and just begin to notice. Notice mm -hmm. what textures are around you. Notice the temperature of the air. Notice the sensation of your clothes against your skin. Mm -hmm. These things that we often take for granted in our automated stream of existence where we are often so caught up in our minds. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the theme that we keep returning to. It's right. like, we're, we're always in the chatter of the left hemisphere of the brain, mm -hmm. which is bound by time. And it's kind of like a muscle. Meditation is retraining our perception. It's retraining our awareness. So if you are listening to this and maybe you've tried meditation and you just think like, well, I suck at meditation. My mind is too busy. This is something we hear all the time from students. And the truth is, that you can strengthen the quality of your awareness to be a little more present, but it just takes time. Yes, and you have to develop a practice of it. And if you don't wanna try that practice, then start with just going outdoors right. and being in nature. And the root of the word of nature is as is, uh, where everything is just present as it is and we automatically go there. When we are standing at the edge of the sea, watching the waves roll in, the expansiveness of the horizon, uh, we're standing on the edge of a mountain, that's where you feel it, right there. So if you want a doorway, if you want a window, as they say in Zen, looking for windows into Zen, mm. uh, if you can't seem to find this just by sitting initially, then go into nature. Find that sensation in nature where you just totally drop into the moment as you stand amidst the beauty of nature. Drop in, let it be familiar to you. Go more often, stand mm. outside, look at the sky. They say, lay on your back and look at the clouds, you yes. know. Start there, and then maybe you can develop through your yoga practice as well. 
um, you know, a closer run to that experience. Right, right. And truly, like anything that we practice, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you're able to open that window again and again, even mm -hmm. in times of discomfort. And don't try too hard, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we have students that will tell us, oh, I'm, you know, I tried this and that, and it's just not working. And yes. I remember when I did my training at Kripalu, uh, uh, someone quoting Swami Kripalu. Uh, he didn't always speak. He was in silence for years, but he wrote things down. And he was walking by a classroom where there was a workshop going on, a very intensive workshop, and a lot of people were crying. And he wrote down to, and told someone, um, he said, I, you know, go in there and tell them to stop trying so hard. Because <laughs> they're missing the point through the trying too hard, through, you know, scrunching up your face and saying, I gotta do this. It's not about that. It's about putting yourself in the position of meditation and sitting and waiting, mm. being present, being patient, all of that. Right. These are qualities, like you mentioned earlier, that are so opposite to the energy of our modern day society. We are not invited to no. be patient. <laughs> We're not invited to no. just rest and bask in what is. We are invited to hustle. We are encouraged to always keep going and pushing and forcing and striving. By the way, these are not necessarily bad things, but when we become so out of balance with these qualities and energies... Right, they're not bad till they become bad. Right, <laughs> then, yeah, then you, we're imbalanced. When you embody the bad. <laughs> yeah, then you, then, you're, yeah. then you experience stress. Right. And stress, of course, leads to a whole host of other issues. Um, it's, it's wonderful to start inviting in these qualities that are, they're like weak muscles that we mm -hmm. haven't really been working out in our culture. I do believe though that because of the popularity and the expansion of meditation and yoga in our modern day culture, likely because people have seen this imbalance and seen this, this stress and they're looking for, they're looking for a solution. Um, well, I think it's because we've reached a level where <laughs> We've got to do something. <laughs> I saw a crazy movie once where uh, people that were totally stressed out would just go poop and they would just disappear <laughs> off the planet. You know, so everybody then was worried about, oh my gosh, if I get too stressed out, I'm going to just, you know. That probably caused a lot of stress. And, <laughs> and that caused a lot of stress on its own. So there, it was showing people in this office and they were all looking at each other. Uh, so it's kind of crazy. But... I think that we have reached a level where we're kind of concerned about that. Yes. We see people um, having all sorts of physical, emotional problems. And so much of it, if it did not relate to stress originally, uh, say it's a condition that um, is from something else, the stress can make it worse. So somewhere along the way, that's going to come into play. And this is what we want to start recognizing, and that's why people are saying, what can I do? Mm -hmm. I don't want medication. I, 
I want something natural, a natural way. And there is nothing more natural than this, these studies that go back 2,000 to 5,000 years old. This is authentic. This is tradition. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing more natural than coming back to your breath. The breath is that beautiful tool that is free, that is fortunately always with you, no matter where right. you are, whatever situation you're in, whatever state of mind you're in, you are at least breathing. And if you are in a state of stress or overwhelm, likely you are breathing very short and shallow, only using a very small percentage, uh, sometimes just uh, 25%, 25% of your lung capacity. So when we start to invite in this practice of taking deeper, fuller breaths, that is where we can not only shift our awareness and our attention, but our physiology as well. It's a really quick way to shift into the present moment uh, through the breath, through mm. the breath work that we learn in yoga, the dirga breath. Absolutely, it's such a, a magnificent tool that we have and we forget about it. So bring that to your attention, you know, the breath. Sometimes I just like to think, Turn the corners of the mouth upward, you know? Just take a breath and, and, and do that. It helps. And it just really can bring you to center. Right. 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 Yeah. Get grounded. Step outside. Take your shoes off. Put your feet on the earth. Yeah. Yes. That's your homework this week, my friends. Ah. That's your fun work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Home fun. <laughs> idea. <laughs> Tell me where you are. I'll meet you there. Yes. Yes. We can do it right here at the Lotus Pond. Right. <laughs> <In their> space. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you all so much for listening to our very first episode of the Lotus Pondcast. Um, and also, if you want to check out that amazing TED Talk by Jill Bolte Taylor, it's called my stroke of insight mm -hmm. and you could just google it it'll pop right up and we will also include the link to that ted talk in the show notes mm -hmm. um and carolyn mace's the anatomy of the spirit yes, yes. she is an extraordinary teacher we will definitely mm -hmm. be referencing her in future episodes uh -huh. because right. her teachings are so powerful and so full of wisdom great take a few deep breaths right now we're here we're present <laughs> Thank you all so much once again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And please feel free to leave us a five-star review that will give us the support and good energy and encouragement to keep this loving project going. Thank you all so much and we'll talk to you next time.